Hello and welcome to another special bonus episode of Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Just a reminder, request your copy of Soul Care, Nurturing Your Spiritual Wellness when you give to our $155,000 challenge grant. This month, your gift will go twice as far. Give today by visiting us at timeofgrace.org or writing us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53201. And now, chapter five. God wasn't messing around with rest. I tend to live with the pedal to the metal. I'm high energy and fairly productive. Until I'm not. I usually don't see it coming. Suddenly I stall completely and totally exhausted. As soon as I'm able, I get up and dive into the next project. Here's the thing. Too many things burn hot and burn out. I've seen it. You've seen it. Ministries come and go. People come and go. What is the key to surviving and even thriving for the long haul? Passion for sure, but rest is part of the soul care equation too. Our smartphones only go so long before they need to be plugged in. The car needs gas and every so often an oil change, new wiper blades, and a refill on the fluids. In the Old Testament, God established a rhythm. He created the earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. God rested not because he was tired and creating took everything out of him. He rested because there was nothing more to be created and to set a precedent for his people. When Moses gave the Israelites the law, which he received from God, he commanded, Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. Exodus 23, verse 12. God didn't just give the law. He gave the reasoning behind the law. Give your animals and your workers a break. Don't work them to death. Let them rest and be refreshed. He commanded the same for the land. For six years, you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops. But during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it and the wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Exodus 23 verses 10 and 11. Again, the heart of God was full of compassion. His laws were not meant as a hammer, but as a tool for watching out for the least of these. Let the poor gather what grows naturally, and let the wild animals eat what is there. Let the land renew its nutrients too. This rhythm established a trust between God and his people. He would provide more than enough for them to store up in the other years so they wouldn't go hungry in the seventh year. To work nonstop leads to physical exhaustion, but the spiritual consequences may be even more dire, especially if they point to a heart that refuses to trust God to provide and refuses to be content with enough. For most of my adult life, I've been a serial offender when it comes to not giving my body enough rest. Working in a nursing home has cured me of that. The hour drive there, and especially back home, can be pretty daunting when I'm struggling with exhaustion. I've learned the harder I push my body, the harder it pushes back. My days become less productive. My decisions lead to declining health, sugar, and caffeine to stay awake, 
and wasted time because I'm too tired to do anything that requires brain function. I'm far better off allowing my body to recharge versus pushing it to the limit. The life of Jesus is a beautiful example of how to live. If you want to know how to love, read the Gospels. No one did it better than Jesus. Want to know how to stay on task? Read the Gospels. Want to know how to avoid getting caught up in politics and all the rumors that come at us? How to resist the devil or how to do the most for the kingdom of God? Read the Gospels and study the life of Jesus. When Jesus faced an exhaustive schedule, he made some important decisions. Mark tells us this. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Mark 1, verses 32-39 News spread throughout the town that Jesus healed a demon-possessed man at the synagogue, and then news spread that Jesus was at Peter's house. The people brought their sick, their disease, their demon-possessed to Jesus. And what did Jesus do after all that work? He got up very early in the morning while it was still dark, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. There's a meme that says there are two types of tired, one that requires rest and the other that requires peace, author unknown. Jesus recognized his humanity required dependency on the Father. He sought and aligned himself with God's will as to what to do next. Then, instead of going back to the crowds, he moved on. The Savior of the world didn't have a savior complex. He wasn't worried that if he didn't heal those people, no one would. He knew God hears prayers. He knew God saw them and would provide with or without his physical touch. Too often, our refusal to rest comes from carrying what we weren't meant to carry. If Jesus didn't feel a need to try to do it all, why do we? Do we really think our ministries, our families, our businesses will fall apart if we don't do everything? Few things hinge on one person. If they did, families, businesses, and certainly the church would have disappeared long ago. If we are doing it all or overdoing it at the expense of our health, time with family, or time with God, it's time for examination. Is your service keeping others from doing their part? Are they confident that you'll do it so they put their time, energy, and resources elsewhere? Could your need to control things be keeping them from helping out? Are you open to new ideas and a different, not your, way of doing things? If Jesus was a control freak, he never would have sent the disciples out. Too often it's pride that makes us think we should do it all, or can, it can only be done our way. When passion is replaced by pride, we've lost our focus. 
We are on a road to burnout. And there's a good chance we've driven away the people who are more than happy to come alongside us. The minute everything becomes about us, we're in serious danger of becoming ineffective. Our job is to serve, yes, but also to train the next generation to take our place. On the night before Jesus died, he washed his disciples' feet and then explained, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. John 13, verses 12 to 17. Until the moment he was taken captive, Jesus was teaching his disciples how to live and do ministry without him. Doing it all has never been the plan. Serve selflessly, yes, but not to the point of not letting anyone else do the work. There were times when Jesus tirelessly continued on, not because it was all about him, but because he was compassionately caring for people. But we're also given an account when an exhausted Jesus was dead to the world. In the first chapter of this book, I directed you to Mark chapter 4, recounting the sudden squall that came up while Jesus was asleep in a boat. Imagine sleeping during a vicious storm that threatened the lives of those experienced fishermen. Jesus didn't let the craziness of life in a sinful world steal his sleep. Sure, he was all-powerful, but he didn't use his power to change world events. He didn't shift political dominance. He didn't provide abundant crops or correct religious mismanagement. But he also didn't fret about those things. He saw everything. He understood even more than the people, the evil behind Herod and the other political leaders, and the insidious nature of the religious leaders. If he was going to be up all night, it would be purposely spent in prayer, not in worry about the imbalance of good and evil. How many nights have you been unable to sleep while you stewed over something completely out of your control? Jesus was resolutely concerned with spiritual things, and although he was always sympathetic and compassionate, feeding hungry people and healing those who suffered from disease and demon possession— He did not let the muck of life get under his skin and steal his sleep. The prophet Elijah also came to a point of exhaustion, but unlike Jesus, it wasn't merely physical exhaustion. He had gone to battle with King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, powerful leaders who led Israel into Baal worship. Elijah declared it would not rain on the land until he said it would. Elijah wasn't cursing the land recklessly. He was trying to turn the hearts of the people back to God. Baal was the god of fertility. He was also the god of rain and dew, the two forms of moisture that are critical for fertile crops to grow. If Baal was who Ahab, Jezebel, and the other worshippers claimed he was, surely he would send dew and rain. Surely he would see the people in need and come to their rescue. But he didn't. A three-year drought ensued. Instead of recognizing his sin and that Baal wasn't the god they thought he was, Ahab, no doubt influenced by Jezebel, blamed Elijah for the drought. He hunted him to kill him. 
Finally, Elijah presented himself to Ahab and challenged him to a contest. Both would go to Mount Carmel. Both would prepare a sacrifice to their God. Both would call upon their deity. Whichever God responded was God. The prophets of Baal did not fare well. Despite dancing and cutting themselves and crying for help, their sacrifice remained untouched. Elijah's sacrifice, on the other hand, which was doused in water, was completely burned up, altar and all. Elijah commanded the onlookers to kill the prophets of Baal and doing so put him at the top of Jezebel's most wanted list. Elijah fled for his life and ended up alone, discouraged and overwhelmed under a broom bush. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. 1 Kings 19, verses 4 and 5. No doubt, Elijah hoped to wake up in heaven. Instead, he woke up to a heavenly visitor. An angel encouraged him to eat fresh bread baked over hot coals and drink water from the jar by his head. Once he was refreshed, Elijah fell back asleep, only to be awoken a second time. The angel said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Verse 7. Elijah opposed the most powerful people in his corner of the earth, not because of their political ambition, but because they led a nation into idolatry. He steadfastly followed God even when he stood alone. And when he reached the end of his strength, God was there to comfort and renew him in a miraculous way. When my body feels weak or my soul feels weary, I pray for strength. God is faithful to provide it. That doesn't mean we should balk at sleep and expect God to pull us through. But let's face it, life is messy and too often things happen in the wee hours. Other nights, despite all our efforts, sleep evades us. God loves when his children come to him in dependence, knowing and trusting that he is the source of renewal. Jesus often withdrew in order to give the disciples rest. But rest wasn't always found. Sometimes the crowds followed, Mark 3, verses 7 to 12 and 20. And when they did, Jesus didn't turn them away. We will have seasons in life like that too. Small children need help 24-7. Sometimes aging parents or spouses do too. In those situations when rest is hard to find, we get rest when we're able and pray for the strength to get through each day.